Welcome to episode 30 of the Thai Football Podcast with me, Dale Farrington. And me, Rob Bernard. Are we really up to 30, Dale, already? We are. And we've had a couple of specials and the pilot as well, so I think it's... 33 in total. Wow. Are we are we getting away with it? I don't know. Well, there must be some culture out there on podcast land. It's a testament to our staying power that we're still here. I think you're kidding me. We, there's only me and you ever listen. There's at least one more listener, because I, I, ch- I had a chat with him this week. So it's at least three of us, anyway. Good, good. Right, so we're back to our usual Wednesday slot after last week's Friday special, and we're going to start with your roving report. So we're going to hear all about it now, because you were up in Ubon, Ratchatani, is that right? This is correct. Okay, so here we go with Rob's roving report. Rob's roving report. Yes, Dale, good afternoon. Welcome to the Ubru Happiness Stadium here in Ubon, Ratchatani. Today's fixture, T3 North East sees... Uban Kroanapat uh, up against league leader Cicicet United. Just from up the road, bit of a local derby. Uban have taken three youngsters on loan from Buriram United, all members of the under-20 Thai side. Went down to a very shock defeat on Wednesday afternoon to uh, Yossatan, where Cicicet won 1-0 last week. Meanwhile, the leaders won at the bottom side, uh, Nakon Ratchasima United, 2-0 midweek to maintain their lead at the top. So what today brings, who knows? It's uh, been a beautiful day. The sun's slowly going down ahead of this 5pm kickoff. For those who haven't been here for football, it's a bit of a footballing city when it comes to stadiums, is Ubon Ratchatani. We've passed a stadium where the side played for the last few years out on the main road, the uh, University Stadium. Here we are at Ubru, the Rajabat Stadium which was re-maintained, uh, ready for the games that were held between the staff of all the universities around Thailand last summer, and they've done a grand job of it. John, my driver, we've never been to UMT Stadium before, that's just a mile up the road, and hopefully uh, they'll do well in the semi-pro league, Poly United, and get into the T3, because that is a great stadium. Formerly held uh, T1 football. Then, of course, there's Barupa Stadium on the outskirts on the road to Yossatan, where Isan United formerly played. And just to confound matters, there's a stadium south of the railway station that'll be showing semi-pro football in a few weeks' time. So, yeah, plenty to see if you come to Ubon. It's at the end of the North East Rail Line. Good bus services here, and it's a city well worth visiting. Plenty of attractions. We made do with lunch in a great place, the second week running, Peppers, American-owned uh, establishment. We had great food, great fridge again, wine selection, beer selection, even a choice of cider. Highly recommend that for anyone coming quite near the airport, which is another way of getting to Ulbon, of course. Flights only take an hour from Bangkok. Well, the half-time whistle's just blown here. Score nil-nil. It's been a good game of football. What a difference it makes at a, a stadium without a track around the pitch. Feels like a proper occasion. Both sets of fans getting behind the team and a good crowd in. Reckon over 500 this afternoon. So chances few and far between. Cicicet in the ascendancy and playing with a better pace this week. Perhaps the coaches listen to the podcast. Ubon had a good spell themselves. But... Uh, Withstood it, did the visit in defence, 
and then they went mightily close to taking the lead a bending free kick hit the corner of post and crossbar went out to safety couple of later efforts from the host can go either way but I tell you what it's a good game it is a good game and in a proper football stadium great setting right in the centre of Ubon planes flying just behind the goal on occasions just adding to the all ambience so we'll see what the second half brings nil nil half time well the game's getting stretched here in the second half both teams going for it but is this a turning point after Cece Ketton missed a couple of guilt edge chances number six for Ubon who's had a fine game he's just been shown a second yellow card it looks as though he fell, tried to get out of the way of handling the ball, the ball hit him on the chest, but the ref's having none of it. He's showing him a second yellow, they're arguing like hell. The ref's adamant, he's saying go. Not a lot you can do, I suppose, but it seems very harsh. So, about 20 minutes to go, and Obon are going to be down to 10 men. Full time whistle's gone here in Obon. Final score, 0-0, same as it was between the two sides earlier in the season. Probably about the right results. Cesaket missed the better chances. Ubon dug in, especially with 10 men. Both sides gave everything. Can't really argue with the uh, draw, probably about right. Decent game of football, unlike some nil-nils. Both sides taking the plod. It's the crowd, we believe, 502. Very pleasant venue to watch football. Highly recommended City for a day out. Yeah, I didn't surprise me, didn't nil-nil, but in fairness, it was a lot better. If it had gone as a neutral, you would have enjoyed it. You said during the course of the report, didn't you, that the Seascape United coach was obviously listening to the podcast as he seems to have opened up a bit, playing a bit more entertaining football. Well, he must be listening to number four then, yeah. Our influence spreads far and wide, Rob. I'm not sure what it was. I have a feeling he was forced into a tactical change with only one of the Brazilian forwards available. So they, they used him as a target man and he brought others into play rather than trying to play as a duo. And it, it seemed to work. The, the pace was better. And that made it a better game because it made a little bit of space, you know, for the other team to get into. It was a good game. The name of the stadium is very unusual. What's the story behind that? Ubru basically means uh, Ubon Rachitani uh, Rajitak University. But the Happiness Stadium, they, they held the games there. Like a mini Olympics in Ubon last summer that was called the Happiness Games. And it was between all the staff of all the universities around the country. Well, uh, yeah, you did mention that in the thing. I didn't realise that was the connection. Did Ken Dodd open it? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'd like to think so. Just think if it had been a few years later, Dale, you could have appeared. What was it, over 70s? I, I think there was some sort of less active sports, if you know what I mean. This is as active as I get these days. No, no, you'll be very good when you get here, I'm sure, bounding around the place. I, I have been tempted to take up walking football. My local school hosts walking football every month. Well, ironically, you could fit into the Cesaket team most weeks because that's what they play. Hi, my name is Anthony and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. We're going to move on, moving up a division as well to T2. Now, T2 this season is very, very exciting, I think. It's very tight. The automatic promotion places, six points, I think, separate the top five and then between the playoff places Patty United are in sixth all the way down to 12 is only a 
five-point gap. So it's it's quite close, difficult to call. But yesterday, I spoke to a very happy man indeed. He'd just seen his team snatch a 97th-minute equaliser. So this is me and Phil Williams directly after Samutpakan City's last gasp equaliser against Nakhon C United. A Time Football Podcast. Interview. I'm joined now by a very happy and probably relieved man. Phil, you've come on straight after the game today and it, what a dramatic finish. Do you want to tell us all about it? Uh, the game finished at uh, Samaprakan 1, Nakhonsi United 1. Both goals came in uh, injury time. Nakhonsi took the lead in the 94th minute and Samaprakan pulled an equaliser out of the bag in the 97th. And as they say, the crowd went wild. It's always nice when this happens, isn't it? It's not, it's not so nice when you're on the receiving end, but when you no. benefit from something like that, there's there's very little that comes close to matching it in terms of pure satisfaction and enjoyment. About 10 minutes from the end, I thought, this is heading for a nil-nil. No other result. It's going to take something special to win this. And it was a special goal. It was, uh, I, I don't know the name of the, the midfielder. I haven't written it down. It was only his second goal of the season, but he's absolutely hit a rocket from well outside the out the box, like a missile into the back of the net and it was going to be that kind of goal it was going to win a game and I didn't see any way back and then with the last kick of the game our new Burmese striker on the edge of the box curled a delicious shot into the corner and I'm looking forward to asking you about him because he's our new hero and uh, I believe he's had a spell at Chombury do you remember much about him? He was one of these signings that when he came he promised so much but he got very little opportunity in the side, which was a shame. But yeah, I think overall he didn't make that much of an impression. How many games did he play for you about? Not many. I would say it was less than 20. That's just off the top of my head without actually looking it up. But we, we've had well, so many of those signings over the years. Well, he's only had two games for us, but he had a very impressive debut last week away at Chiang Mai FC. And he looked very good today. He just brings a little bit of extra quality to the side. Sometimes in the second division, you don't have to be even that good to, to shine out. He puts his foot on the ball and he just looks to have more time on the ball than other players. And that's always a sign of a quality player at that level. It sounds like he'll do a good job for you. And you mentioned last week's game, which was his debut, which yes. is a match you, you weren't actually at, unusually for you, because you were in India, but you did manage yes. to see it. What what was that like, Watch, watching a game in India? Well, yeah, thank God for YouTube live stream. Obviously, I, I would rather have been there. But yeah, again, we played very, very well and we were unlucky. We went down to a very soft penalty about two minutes from the end. And then they added a second in injury time, which was neither here nor there. But it was it was the penalty that really did us, and it was never a penalty. And he was a very a very battling performer. The performances at the moment are encouraging, or at least they have been since the, the restart after the Christmas break. But we're not getting three points from games. Oh, and you've got that gap opening up now between Samarkand and the top six which is now four points with Patty a win yesterday. We need to keep in touch. What we don't want is the season fizzling out. You know what I mean? Dale, where we're just sort of mid-table safety. I would certainly take that over last season's relegation scrap. There's no doubt about that. But it would be nice to have something a little bit more exciting where we're sort of in touch with the playoffs and we've got a chance of making them rather than just... Uh, 
settling for mid-table. Well, if, if performances have improved, there's every chance of that. I mean, two tough games. You've played two of the top three in the last two matches. Well, I said at Christmas that the next six games would shape our season because we had uh, Chiang Mai away and Mackenzie United at home, which we've taken only one point from. Difficult trip to the other Chiang Mai lot next Saturday, and they've hit a little bit of form. A very tough game then coming up away at Nakon Rachissima, and then uh, also in February we've got Supambri at home, and they've got a 100% record at the Sum of the Khan Stadium. They beat us every single time. So it's a tough run of games. And if you know if we're only going to pick up three or four points from those five or six games, then the season's going to fizzle out. I don't think there's any danger you're going to go down, is there? You're not even going to get sucked into that relegation scrap. Just looking at the table now, and I think most uh, uh, expat Thai football fans would agree that the bottom three look the most likely as the three to go down, which is Kasitsak, Krabi and Customs United. I think one of them picked up a point and the other two lost this weekend. And then there's a gap opening up now of about five or six points, I think. So they can't string two wins together, those three teams. Just going back to today's game and the late drama, yep. was it was it one of these matches that was 93 minutes of boredom and attrition and then it all exploded in the last three or four? Or was overall, was it quite a good good game to watch? It was a good game to watch for a summer for Khan fan. I thought the first half, we absolutely bossed it. I can't remember Nakonsi having one chance. We, we had several, uh, not particularly clear-cut chances, but uh, we had the lion's share of possession. I think the final stats for the game were eight corners for us and two for them, which kind of tells its own story, I guess. So we were quite unlucky to go in at half-time, not a goal, a goal up at least. The second half was a, a lot more even, but I don't think that Nakonsi United were any better than as I said, we certainly deserved at least a point. It all sounds very promising. But like you say, you know, the, the next couple of games are going to be crucial. If you can pick up a couple of points in yep. those matches, then, you know, it'll keep it interesting. And it what will. about the crowd today? What sort of crowd did you attract? I, I haven't got the official figure yet, but it looked like the usual sort of 380, 400 that ballpark. It looked like it's quite a, a decent away turnout as well. It was a fantastic away turnout. I remember going to see Nakon C United last season as a neutral fan. Uh, um, they played away at Rajprachar in Nantaburg. We went with the Nakon C United fans in the away zone. And there must have been 300 fans at least. And uh, I was amazed. I actually got talking to a couple of Nakon C supporters and they said, We've got a very big fan club in Bangkok. We take significant numbers to any of the games in this area, but I was amazed by the turnout. So there must be a lot of Nakonsi Tamarat people working in the city or close by. I, I don't think I've ever met anyone from Nakonsi Tamarat. Maybe I should just start hanging hanging around and asking people. That's where no, they're from. They, they, yes, they had, uh, they had, there wasn't quite 300 there today. I'd say there were probably 150, 200 maybe. But, you know, they came with all their flags and their drums and they made some noise. And certainly one of the better away supports that we've had for a while. Yeah, it looked quite impressive. I saw the photograph you posted on Twitter. And mm. th- do they have inflatables or was that my eyesight? Yes, they were very impressive. What, what are they? A sort of a yellow luminous inflatable thing which that's what it looked like yeah that that you've kind of banged them together it was quite impressive that it did bring back memories of the old Man City craze for carrying inflatable bananas to games back in the mid mid 80s that was the first thing that came to my mind so you've said you don't want the season to fizzle out so realistically what do you expect 
from the rest of it. I'd like to get the playoffs, even if it just means nicking that sixth-place spot just to extend the season a little bit. And I know that will certainly be the very least that our ambitious owner would want, along with his, uh, his deep pockets. He's going to be very disappointed if we finish outside of the top six. So I'm going to join him and say that I'm, uh, I'm hoping for a top six finish. But I don't think it will happen. I think after how many games have we had now? 19 or 20? Yeah, I think after that many games, the table doesn't lie. And we are where we are because that's where we deserve to be. So I'm predicting somewhere between about 8th and 10th. You don't envisage a situation then going into the last round of games when it's between you and Patty United for that final playoff play. And we played them in the last game of the season. <laughs> I don't think it would come to that. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Patsy look as though they've got a chance, actually. They, they're a team that seems to know how to grind out results. Yeah, they won but again, didn't they, this weekend? The team that's in the bottom half of that second division, they, they can't string a run of, of wins together. We're, I think Summer Prakan are one of those teams, and we're already in a situation where we probably really need to win about three or four on the trot to... Uh, put ourselves back into contention. No team in that bottom half of the table looks capable of doing that. Well, if you win the next four, you'll certainly be in contention and you'll send a few shockwaves through the league as well, I think. I can't, I can't see us winning at Nakon Richards in there. And we never beat Sipanbury at home. Uh, maybe I'll talk to you after those four games. And... You'd be very welcome to come back on then. So it's been great okay. chatting, Phil. We're always a pleasure to talk to you and good luck with the podcast as usual. That's great. Thank you. Anyway, we'll have you back on in a few weeks and we'll see where we're at with the rest of your season okay thanks mate thank you yeah that's good stuff come on phil have a laugh mate you're right in the battle hey you could just imagine if patty have to go there and get something that last game or even if the two of them met in the playoff final i'd like to see how the tie authorities had handled that i must say i mean obviously there's a long way to go before that but as i said in my introduction it, it is very tight isn't it well, it is, and that, this is why I think there are so many in it, because they're all going to be taking points off each other with so many involved. I've been saying for a while now, my favourites to go up automatically are non-Burr pitch higher. They're still second, they're hanging on in there. That point for Nakon C United took them back to the top of the table yesterday. But I think non-Burr, according to a couple of people on Twitter, they're grinding out results, which is always a good sign when you're battling away at the top. If you, if you can keep winning, I think that's the key. And they go to Chiang Mai... I don't know if it's next week or the week after for a big game. They are my Buriram United, Rob. You've you tip Buriram United to win the T1. My tip for T2 is non pitch higher. I wouldn't argue with you. I must admit they are good. They had a sticky game last week, didn't they? Customs nearly grabbed a draw against them, but they held it out. And I think we've got to keep our eye on Swatcat as well, Nakon Ratchasima. For sure. Um, just a, a mention of the away crowd. Funny enough, I went to Nakon C playing at North Bank. Cup University a couple of years ago in the playoffs and I was astonished it took me completely by surprise you know my knowledge of Nakonsi was basically zero and nearly filled the away section there Phil made the point in the chat we had that you know there are a lot of Bangkok based fans and you tend to get this with these clubs it certainly used to happen at Chambury a lot. Teams from, especially the north and the northeast, had a big community living and working in the Chambury, Bangkok area. So that always helps swell the away crowd on occasions like this. I, I can remember going to a game in, in Sirachar 
few years ago when Chiang Rai United were in the second division and they came down and when we got back to our car at the end of the game the car that had parked in front of us had a Chiang Rai United sticker on the back window so we got chatting to them you know have you enjoyed the game all this sort of stuff and then my dad asked the guy he said how, how long is it going to take you to get home and he said oh about 15 minutes <laughs> It's still impressive, regardless where they come from. I think that's that's very encouraging, isn't it? Especially if they go up, that'll be a nice addition to the T1. Certainly, and it, and I think the gate, uh, Phil underestimated, 508 to the official crowd. That's encouraging. It is, yeah. I've got a long way to go before they break the four figures, but who knows, if they keep playing well and keep winning, then, you know, as he said again, you know, the next few games are going to be crucial, aren't they? The last thing you want is for the season to fizzle out. You know, you've got to keep things interesting right up to the end. Down at the bottom, I think Phil's absolutely bang on. The the three down there, I think they're going to get cut adrift. That was a, a huge game for Customs last night, away to China, and they went down 1-0. They'd have got something there that it was all for grabs, but you can't really see it now unless they're team absolutely nosedives. Yeah, I agree. Kassatsar, Customs and Krabby look doomed, don't they? Maybe China will get dragged in. They seem to be the only other side that are likely to get sucked into a relegation fight. But I agree, I think the bottom three look doomed, really. This is Clinton, and you're listening to a Thai football podcast. Next up, we've got something a little bit different for you. This is Grant Aitken, and Grant's very interested in youth football, and in particular the development of young players. So at the weekend, I sat down with him, and we had this conversation. A Thai football podcast interview. Hello, Grant, and welcome to a Thai football podcast. Hi, Dale. Thank you for having me. Now, we've chatted for quite a few years on social media, but I think this is the first time we've actually sat down to speak face-to-face, as it were. Is that right? It is, yeah. yeah. I remember a few near misses. Um, It wasn't always convenient for me to get to away matches, but I know a few times you were going to make the trip, but um, either we missed each other or or you couldn't make it in the end. So, yeah, this this is the first time we've we've talked person to person. Well, it's great to catch up at last. And before we start, can, can you just give us a little bit of information about you, your background, how you got involved in Thai football, where you're from, who you support, etc.? Yeah, so um, I moved from the UK in 2013. Um, I got a job in the Nantabri area, and it was my now wife who suggested going to watch the football team because she knew I was football mad. Closest team to me was Mungtong. What is that, 11 years ago now? And I've been going as part of my routine ever since then. Over the course of supporting Mungtong, um, I've got quite interested in the youth side of things. Primarily with following Mungtong and the Thai national team, but also as my knowledge expanded, there's other clubs and schools that I always keep an eye out for and quite interested to see if I can see the next big thing, the next big star. What was it that first got you interested then in, in following youth football? We had a bit of success. We won the youth league 2019, 2020. So I was always keen to see how those boys developed. And the more that I started looking into things, I realised just how many players that we had out on loan. And I was quite curious to the fact that over here, the players that the clubs retain, they're a little bit older. 
So they will keep boys right up until 21, 22, 23. And although that that is a trend that's changed a little bit, it did mean that a club like Montong, there was quite a few players scattered about. They also have like, I don't like using the term ghost club um, or feeder team, but there's quite a few teams that are associated with the bigger T1 club. So I was interested to see where these players had come from, why it was that they would retain them at um, an older age. Um, and as I started investigating it, it became apparent to me that there were lots of different routes that the players take to get into the first team. It's not like it is in Europe, whereby you sign for the club at eight years old and you just stay there until you try and work your way into the first team. So where did most of these kids come from? Obviously, being a Chambéry fan, I'm aware of our history and our background. We had the long association with Assumption College in Sirachar, which really was where the club started. And a lot of the, the initial squad came through there. And we were still bringing players through right up until a couple of years ago when we started our own academy. So is, is that something that's quite common across Thailand then? Is this where a lot of the kids come from? It definitely was when I first started getting into youth football. So when I think back to the golden Zico generation, that team of Sarat Yuyan and, and Gawin, Tiraton, Tirasindanga, all those guys came from Assumption Tomboree. So not to discredit uh, Tong and Buriram for developing those players and, and credit to them for um, picking them up at 18 and, and turning them into some of the best players in the generation. But they didn't get them as young players. Um, and I think that's maybe what most of your li- listeners probably assumed was that they came through the academies there. Um, and if you look at some of the other players of that generation, Adisak was at Bangkok Christian. Uh, Adison, he was at Swan Collab. Tanabun was Bangkok Sports School. So the lion's share of that generation, they actually came from the schools rather from the club academies. Whereas when I look at the team now, and it seems more of a recent trend that the um, the club academies are actually faring a little bit better. So when you look at the mainstay players of the current national side, especially those that are maybe under 27, you got players like Chanarong, um, who came through at Mungtong and then he moved on to Chambury when he was about 15, 16. Fritz of that came and obviously came from Chambury. You got a few players at Buriram, like Superchok, Supernat, a few Mungtong boys in there, like Pitcher. Weeratep actually came from, he was a Patam Conga, which is associated with Port FC. So it's one thing that I've noticed is that the recent crop, it seems to be the clubs that are providing them. Whereas when I first got into looking at uh, youth football, it it was more the schools that were providing the main talent. I don't don't know if you've ever been to see these these schools in action. I, I remember when I was teaching, I had a Quite quite a few, actually, quite a few very talented players. But there was one in particular who stood out and I took him along. I managed to get him a trial at Assumption in Sirachar. And what they used to do, it used to be over a whole weekend. And they'd start with like hundreds of kids and they'd organise little training sessions. They'd have little games. And over the course of the two, two or three days, they'd whittle it down to obviously the best 20 or 30 or whatever. It was quite brutal. So to even get that far, these kids have got to have a lot of a lot of ambition. They've got to have a lot of get up and go. They've got to be motivated. 
So how how hard do you think it is for the the young Thai players coming from that culture to get on in the game? Um, I I do think there is a little bit of an issue with how influential the the schools are over here. Um, like you mentioned about there being hundreds of kids, I I've heard that when the the Bangkok Christians and Assumptions when they open their doors, there'll be thousands of kids that want to apply. Um, and my fear is that there's not the same amount of interest when it's Chambari, Buriram and, and Mungtang. So yeah, a lot of competition there. And I feel like maybe the schools will get the best pick because of that. Um, a lot of parents are aware that you can use their child's footballing capabilities as a, as a passport, if you like, to get a very comprehensive and, to be honest, quite expensive education. So it is a little bit tough. I do also worry that at the clubs, they're very clear on what the goal is. The goal is to provide these boys with the skills that they can get into the first team. Whereas these top government schools, there's a lot of prestige put on winning competitions and bringing that glory to the school. Like I mentioned, there's a big investment from the schools. In some cases, we're talking 200, 300,000 baht a year education. And they want something back in return for that. So I feel like with that current trend of the clubs churning out most of the bigger players now, perhaps it's because there's too much emphasis on winning competitions in the schools and too much pressure there. Whereas at the clubs, it's more about individual personal development and not necessarily the results. So do you see that as suit? Two separate entities then. It's it's almost like, now it's not something I know a lot about, but I am aware of it, that certainly in the United States, things like college basketball are huge, but that runs parallel to the NBA. Do you, do you think this is something that, that happens in Thailand? But you've just said, obviously, that the competition amongst the schools is quite fierce and they do have these competitions and they do have these tournaments. Is it possible, do you think, to, to like have a career just playing for the school side rather than making what we would think would be the logical next step into a professional setup. I think we're both aware that out here, it's the parents that will have the final say. So even when they're 18 years of age, and perhaps the parents' motivations, and not that I would, would criticise them, but when you sign for Bangkok Christian, maybe their thought process is brilliant. Maybe we could have a doctor. Maybe we could have an architect because unless you're one of the top footballers out here playing for one of the top clubs, you're not going to make a fantastic salary if you're a, a T3 player or like a lower T2 player. So in terms of a career, I think maybe the, the parents are thinking that they could use the footballing skills, but that might not necessarily be the end goal. And that. Could be the difference. I, I'm so just getting, speculating. No, just getting in somewhere on a sports scholarship and then graduating as a doctor or something. <laughs> yeah, I've not, I've not really thought about it that way I mean, before, I mean, if, if you think of some of these schools, Dale, like your, uh, your Debs Arrange, your Swanka Labs, former prime ministers went there. So just having that on your resume is, is very impressive. So do you think the way ahead then for... Professional football in Thailand is for more clubs to have academies. I, I think there's a, a tendency for foreign fans to kind of look at what's in place here and, and criticise the culture and, and criticise what's in place just because Barcelona do it this way and uh, Manchester United and Ajax do it this way. But I think you touched upon in America, they do it differently. But actually, from what I'm seeing over there... They've made quite a bit of progress. You see a lot of American players coming into Europe and they're a very good standard. So 
for me, I, I think it is a case of embracing what we've got. It's great that you've got this interest from the top government schools and it's great that the boys can get a fantastic education whilst learning their football. But we need to look at uh, what's going wrong. Why are we not getting the same amount of talent out of these schools that we used to get? Potentially, it's because the club academies are getting better, but maybe the schools are not. Um, so I think it's about embracing what we've got, but also appreciating that there's a lot that the clubs can offer and just seeing if there's any way that we can kind of merge the two together. There's um, a few instances like uh, Mung Tong, we work with Assumption Tongari. Um, and just this morning, I saw one of the um, young centre-backs that they've got over there. He's he's in training with the first team and they've kind of got him on trial. So if we can have a few more instances of that where there's these boys are not just going to waste, where they're they're not finishing their education at 18 at these schools and then suddenly they've got nowhere to go because they don't just need to be as good as the kids that are in the club academies. They need to be significantly better for the clubs to bother taking a gamble on them. Because that's also something else I've noticed, that clubs like Chombury, Buriram, I don't see them taking the kids from the schools anymore. I think it's just too much work, there's too much of a bedding-in period, and the boys are already 18. So I, I think they're just keen to work on the kids that they've already got within their academies. So we need to think about how we can prepare a little bit earlier than just waiting until they're 18 and then throwing them in at the, the deep end, these boys from the schools. I think another thing we, we need to consider is that Thailand is is famous or probably infamous. And now whether whether this is true or not, or whether this is this is fair or not, I don't know. But the perception seems to be that they don't plan long term. Everything is very instant. And having the patience to wait for these kids to graduate, to go through the academies, to become professional footballers and then reap the benefits later on. Are Thai clubs and Thai fans, and is the Thai League? going to be patient enough to wait for that development. I mean, I've seen great strides made over the past 20 years in Thai football. What we've got now was unimaginable 20 years ago. Do you think in 20 years' time we'll be seeing the benefits of, of these academies and these schools now? I think it depends. One thing I would say is these prestigious schools, they're going to miss not having players in the Thailand team because there's nothing Assumption Tombury like more than showing that Gawin came from there or that Bangkok Christian did from having Adi Sack scoring goals for Thailand. So my hope is that they're going to reflect on that themselves. I don't have that much hope for the FA because they've, they've let us down too many times in the past. But one thing I have noticed that the Department of Education, which governs the schools, they're a bit more organised. If they say they're going to do something, it gets done. So it depends. If the FA can work with them a little bit more closely and they can take the, the good aspects that both of them have got with the clubs and with the schools that are under the DPE, then they've got a chance of making progress and improving things. But I'm hoping that people within the school system, they will already have started to realise that things are not quite as productive as they used to be there. Right, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Grant, and I apologise in advance for this. But if your son was good enough, would you prefer he went to one of the schools or one of the club academies? Yeah, that, that that's a fair question. He's football mad. We, we've been at two academies already today. But I, I've got to admit, if Bangkok Christian came knocking and, and he had a chance to get in there, knowing that um, it's such a 
a prestigious school. I, I've seen the academic tables. It's like top 20 in the country. It would be really hard to turn down. And for that reason, I can understand why clubs would not prioritise the under 10 age groups. Because if you make the next big thing, you, you can imagine that the parents are going to say, thank you very much, but we're going to see if we can get in at Swankala Bangkok Christian, we, which is why I feel... The game's held back a little bit over here because the club academies, they're, they're working with budgets. You mentioned about Chongbury. You know, what's in it for the clubs to develop these players if they only end up going to the schools anyway? When I see a lot of academy open days advertised from the clubs, you tend to see it's the 11 to 14 year old age range. And for us European fans, we're probably looking at that and thinking, well, that's far too late because from what we've heard, it should be six to eight years old. But you can understand it because if you end up losing all these players, it's been a waste of time for them. Good answer. Is there anything you want to add before we, we finish? It's been fascinating. I mean, I, I must admit, I, I didn't really know much about this. Obviously, as I said, I've been aware of Assumption and the Chambery Academy, but I didn't realise all the, the ins and outs that you've just gone into. So is, is there anything else you can add just to educate me a little bit further before we finish, Grant? I, I don't want to come across too negative. I would like to praise the clubs for moving forward. Like you mentioned, you, you've seen a lot of progress. And I think over the 10 years that I've been following Thai football, I, I think there's been progress too. I think sometimes it, it's a little bit too much um, doom and gloom. But these things happen in, in football all over the world. We get things right and then things stagnate and then you have to change things. So I am hopeful that we'll be able to review what's in place, um, hopefully get the clubs working with the schools a little bit more closely um, and produce a, another exciting crop of players somewhere later down the line. Well, I have to say, first of all, what a fantastic interview. I love learning about different stuff out here. And now I understand it a little bit more. It made a lot of sense what Grant was saying. Fantastic research and knowledge, hasn't he? I learned a lot from, from listening to him as well. I mean, obviously, I knew a few little details and a few things about youth football and how players get selected, but it was a real eye-opener. Do you think it maybe explains why there's so many university sides in T2, T3? They can use it to attract players. Yeah, you could be on something there, Rob. I mean, one thing we didn't touch on in the interview is the amount of good quality players that get lost in the system. I mean, I talked about one of my ex-students during the course of that interview, who was who was a very good player. He was way off the pace when I took him along for the trials. But there were so many good lads there, and most of them just obviously just disappear. It would be nice to know that something could be done, some sort of safety net to catch these lads and give them some opportunity elsewhere. Do you think, though, the amount of teams that are coming up and compete now in the Bangkok League and the Tombury League, there's more participation clubs now than probably ever. You know, some trying to get into the league via the semi-pro or playing the Thai Amateur League as well as the regular competitions. You know, if somebody spots them playing well in that, that could be a way back. I mean, I know it's a, a simple solution off the writing on a little notepad here, but perhaps clubs need to introduce a better education system as part of the academy. I know a lot of clubs do in the UK. I think they do that at John Bree because they, they are based at the IPE college and I think they do use education as well. It's not 
purely football. So yeah, I mean that's that's definitely the way forward, isn't it? Try to merge the two together. And Grant makes absolute common sense there. Money's tight in Thailand. You know, things that we take for granted as Westerners. If you've got a family and you, and your kid can play T three football in front of and let's be honest, double figure crowds at some places, earning next to nothing, or he can get a good career and support the rest of his family. We've, we've got to remember it's a different culture. It's a no-brainer, isn't it, really? But I know we all dream of being footballers when we're little lads, and you can do that in the UK and other Western countries. But it's completely different here. Your job when you're a kid is to support your family, not yourself. I, I'm still dreaming of it, Rob. And you've, you've actually given me hope now, saying I could get a game at CCK United. I will definitely pack my boots when I come over. Do you know what? If there was a dead rubber, I'd pay the money to get you on the bench. Yeah, I could manage 15 minutes. Oh, you're, you're surpassing my hopes, Dale. I'm, I'm just trying to think which foreigner out of the uh, the two Brazilians I want to jettison instead of you. And that's a great place to leave it, Rob. So, good luck to Thailand. Obviously, we're recording this before they've opened their campaign, but good luck. I mean, preparation hasn't been perfect, but you never know. Vietnam showed yesterday that you know, that performance against Japan has given the smaller nations a bit of hope, I think. So have a good week, Rob. Enjoy whatever football you get to see and we'll speak next week sometime. Yeah, enjoy wherever you can get, folks. It's not just about T1. There's plenty out there next weekend. All the fixtures will be on Facebook. Thanks for listening and we'll see you all soon. (laughs) 